1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. We've got a lot of trade talks to get into today. Boyan Bogdanovich potentially being a target. Cam Reddish, Evan Fournier with the Knicks. Perhaps those guys being interesting pieces as well. We will discuss that plus what the Lakers would be sending out. Also have some fan questions and comments. But first, it's game day. Lakers versus Celtics tonight always means a little bit more when the Lakers are taking on the Celtics, this historic rivalry. Now, little disclaimer, I'm recording this as the Clippers and Celtics are playing, so anything catastrophic happens in that game, I won't know about that, but it's right about halftime right now, and the Clippers are up. I actually think Lakers fans, if there's any way for both teams to lose, you want both these teams to lose, but I think you really don't want to see like a Clippers blowout win in that game because... Then you're going to get a fairly well-rested because they'll bench their starters down the stretch and angry Celtics team. This is a team that doesn't lose a lot this season. They've been the best team in the NBA so far. So you really don't want that outcome if you are a Lakers fan. In fact, the outcome you should be rooting for is multiple overtimes and preferably, I guess, a Celtics win just so they won't feel the sting of a loss and have that extra motivation coming into tonight's matchup against the Lakers. But in any event, Always one to keep an eye on. We will be on playback tonight, breaking down the entire game live. Come join us. I'll put the link in the description over on the YouTube channel. Speaking of which, make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Trade season's heating up. Turn on notifications so you stay in the know with everything going on in the world of the Lakers. Speaking of trades, let's start off right there. And the Lakers pursuing Boyan Bogdanovich. Now, we heard yesterday from Shams Tarania of The Athletic that the Lakers have offered up a protected first-run pick plus salaries in a deal to get Boyan Bogdanovich. I talked about this on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Most likely, the salaries that would be involved would be uh, Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn going out to expiring contracts, and then you'd be bringing back Boyan Bogdanovich. He's under contract next season for $20 million. It's a pretty easy swap making the math work this season for Pat Bev and Kendrick Nunn. And then the protected first round pick that is reported to be what the Lakers are willing to offer. I don't know what the protections would be on that. I mean, it could be a top 20 protected. It could be a top two protected. We don't know exactly what the protections on that would be, but the rumor is according to Mark Stein, the Lakers have had a little trouble getting that offer accepted. In fact, the Pistons have said, no, they have hinted that they'd rather just keep Bogdanovich and that if they were to do a deal with the Lakers, they would want an unprotected, first round pick which Lakers fans largely found laughable Pistons fans NBA fans in general said yeah that sounds about right let's face it most NBA fans are not interested in seeing the Lakers get a good deal on a player now Bogdanovich did drop 38 against the Lakers just the other night he's been shooting incredibly well from three 44 percent from three which I don't think is actually sustainable but the bottom line he's a good shooter the Lakers need shooting that's what they're reportedly after on the trade market so should they do this deal if it's an unprotected first round pick Should they do the deal? Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, an unprotected first. Now, the rumors haven't suggested that it's Beverly and Nunn. They've just said contracts, but you do the math. It makes sense that those would be the two guys involved. So let's start with the picks. Um, Unprotected, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with that at all, nor should the Lakers be. And here's why. Boyan Bogdanovich is 33 years old right now. So by the time you get to that 2027 pick, he's not on your team anymore. He's not helping you out. And so there's a decent chance that you're in a rebuild by that point. Now, if Bogdanovich was, say, 25, and you're saying, hey, five years from now, no problem. This guy is still on our roster. He can be helping us win games. Let's do this. Okay, that that makes sense. Or, hey, if we need to go into a rebuild, let's say two years from now, three years from now, whatever it is, LeBron and A.D., They sail off into the sunset and you decide we're going to move into the next iteration of Lakers basketball and you need to trigger a rebuild. Well, if Bogdanovich was, say, 25 right now, you could say, well, all right, three years from now, no problem. He's still going to have plenty of value. We can flip him for more assets down the road. But at 33, he'll be 34 in April. It's pretty unlikely that you're going to be able to get a lot out of him. Now, that said, he can still be a very productive player. Most likely, he's not going to get better than he is right now. 21 points per game, 44 percent from three. I do think those numbers are a little bit inflated. I think that there is probably some regression to the mean coming in terms of his shooting stats. Not to say that he should shoot poorly when he's getting open looks alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis, but 44% from three just doesn't feel all that sustainable. Again, still a good shooter. I think he would really help the Lakers out a lot this season. But you know, this is probably going to be him at his best, and then you'll see a decline year by year. Now he has one more year under contract. Then he's got a non-guaranteed third year on his contract. Only $2 million of that of that year are guaranteed. So that does protect you in case there is a significant decline in his game. His game should age fairly well. So I'm not saying you're not going to get a lot from him in the next, say, three seasons. I just don't know if you're going to have a lot of flexibility to pivot away from him a few years from now, if that's what you ultimately decide to do. And that would be a factor if I'm looking at trading a protected or unprotected first round pick if they want an unprotected first round pick that means the lakers could be in a rebuild by that stage we could be talking about a lottery pick i'm not super comfortable with that if i'm the lakers now that said i think bogdanovich would be a tremendous fit i think that he's worth giving up something for if you can get make it a protected first. Sure, I'm okay with that. Ideally it would be multiple seconds. A lot of people point to the fact that they got Kelly Olenek in exchange for for Bogdanovich. That was the swap that the Pistons made. They traded away Kelly Olenek who's fine as a player, don't get me wrong, but Bogdanovich is is better and the Pistons got pretty much a straight across swap. So for them to turn Bogdanovich just a few months later into even a protected first would be a big win for the Pistons. But of course values change very quickly in the NBA. So we kind of have to just forget what the price was for Bogdanovich back a few months ago in the summertime. Um, Lastly, though, on this, I think Patrick Beverly, it's important that we note this. Look, Kendrick Nunn is really not providing much for the Lakers right now. Um, Certainly not what we hoped. And so if you want to look at him as just an expiring salary throw-in, I think you're okay there. I think you're okay. Patrick Beverly, on the other hand, is a little bit different. And this is why. See, a lot of Lakers fans are very, very down on Patrick Beverly, and I get it. Um, The offensive side of his game has been awful. Awful, awful, awful. In fact, according to Cleaning cleaning the Glass, he ranks in the second percentile at his position. Second in points-per-shot attempt at his position. That's I mean, that's absurdly low to be in the second percentile at your position. He has been an absolute disaster on the offensive end of the floor. And really, all you need from him is, hey, occasionally hit a three that's 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 really it that's all you're asking for patrick Bradley to do is occasionally knock in a three if you can do that great however i think what's getting overlooked with patrick Bradley, because i see so many lakers fans that are frustrated every time he's on the floor what's getting overlooked and i think this is kind of something that just happens uh with our, our analysis of nba basketball is his defense is getting overlooked how good that's been he's actually in the 96th percentile according to cleaning the glass and his position in terms of his on-off defensive numbers. In fact, the Lakers give up way more points—over ten points more per one hundred possessions—if Patrick Beverly is off the floor versus on the floor. He's making an impact on that end. So why do so many fans think this guy is just terrible? Well, things that are done on the offensive end of the floor stand out more than things that are done on defense. So that you see a guy shot, okay, that sticks in in your brain. That guy put the ball in the basket. That's what the game's all about, right? If you see a guy on defense get a big block, get a big steal that turns into a fast break, those things stick out. But if you see a guy who makes the right read and puts himself in the right spot to shut down the primary action for the opponent and they kick it to their secondary action and then attack from there, that's not the kind of thing that the naked eye is going to notice every single time, right? You're not going to notice the guy being in the right spot. It's kind of the Alex Caruso effect, right? We had the same thing with him, with Danny Green as well, trying to explain the value that these guys brought on the defensive end of the floor. Doesn't show up very well in the box score. Again, defensively, you see rebounding, you see steals, you see blocks. But guys make really good defensive plays without recording any of those stats. And so it can be a little bit more difficult for fans to watch and say wow that guy is really doing well on defense again if it's something dramatic if it's a block if it's a steal something like that that will stick in our minds but just making the right read the right rotation which matters a ton we don't notice as much so patrick beverly i think right now he's his offense is essentially negating what his defense is doing so i'm not saying he's been great this season he hasn't been but a lot of fans are looking at him and saying this is a guy who's providing nothing he's just 13 million dollars in wasted salary and I don't think we can go that far. He's actually been one of their best perimeter defenders on the team. The problem is his offense has been negating what his defense has been doing. So that's just something you have to keep in mind. Like, let's say you get to the, get the, the deal done. And it's Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn. You send out, whether it's a protected or unprotected first, and you bring back William Bogdanovich. Okay, so you put Bogdanovich into your starting lineup. You do Dennis Schroeder at the one, Lonnie Walker at the two, Bogdanovich at the three, LeBron, AD, four and five. Off you go. That makes sense. I I like that lineup. Bogdanovich's shooting would be great, but Bogdanovich defensively, he's not good. He's not a good defender. Now, what he brings on the offensive end of the floor is enough to make up for that. He's tremendous. He's a great shooter. He can score off the dribble. He can do a lot of things for you, a lot of things that the Lakers need. He's got pretty good size. So I'm not saying that you don't want to trade for him, but I am saying that there is something that you're giving up here. You are actually giving up a really good perimeter defender in exchange for getting a really good offensive player in Bogdanovich and a guy who's got a bit more size. Again, I'm not saying you don't do the deal, but I'm saying you can't look at Patrick Beverly as a guy who is nothing to this Lakers team aside from being an expiring contract. Case in point, William Bogdanovich, he is one of the better players in terms of per shot attempt. He's well into the 96th percentile um, at his position, so he's doing great there. But again, going back to that on-off defensive stat with the Detroit Pistons, He's in the seventh percentile defensively. So he's kind of the inverse of Patrick Beverly, where Pat's offense is terrible and he's bringing you defense. Boyon's offense is fantastic, but he's not bringing you any kind of real defense. In fact, the Pistons are significantly better defensively when Boyon is off the floor. So just something the Lakers have to keep in mind when they're looking at this kind of trade, particularly when it comes to weighing well, do we want to give up an unprotected first to get this? You know the Lakers need shooting. You know they need floor spacing alongside LeBron and AD. And that's where you have to wonder, is there any kind of progression or, or regression to the mean, whatever term, positive regression, whatever term you want to use, will Patrick Beverly's shooting stats normalize at some point? He's been shooting horrifically from three, but we know for his career, he's a 37% three-point shooter. So this is something you have to weigh if you're the Lakers. Do you believe that right now he's just in a shooting slum and at some point, maybe it's January, maybe it's February, the shooting numbers will come back around and you're going to get a Patrick Beverly who takes five shots a game and most nights he's making between one and two threes, right? Because he's taking he takes five threes a game and he makes between one and two of them. That's great. That's enough to keep defenses honest. It's not going to give you the scoring production that Bogdanovich does. I'm not saying he can do that. But that changes things a lot if you can get him to just be a respectable shooter that has to be defended where teams aren't just running away from him, which defenses are starting to do. So that's got to be part of the Lakers' decision-making here too. Do they believe that Beverly's numbers will ultimately come back around? Because if that's the case, he becomes a much more effective player if suddenly he is a threat to make the threes, and his numbers do go back to what we expected them to be coming into the season and what we've seen over the course of his career. So again, all things that the Lakers have to factor in Bojan Bogdanovic is a tremendous player. I'm not saying it would be a bad move. Just things you have to figure out Figure out if you're the Lakers and you're trying to decide whether or not to do this, particularly if you've got that steep asking price of an unprotected first. Speaking of which, let's talk about that real quick. So an unprotected first-round pick being the asking price. Part. This is part of the problem with the way the Western Conference is shaping up, and we keep looking at it and saying, man, the, the Lakers are right there. They're only you know, a handful of games out of being not even just a play-in team, but a playoff team. The Western Conference is so compact. There's so much upward mobility in the West. And that's true. And that creates urgency to get something done right now to improve this team in the present. But the problem is teams you're trading with know that. Teams you're trading with know that there's pressure on you to improve and so if i'm the pistons i'm saying okay well if you're offering a protected first right now i know i can probably get that in february when we're at the trade deadline i don't have to do this right now i can get this done in february somebody's going to give me a protected first for him so all i'm really risking is that he gets hurt sometime between now and then so if you want to do the deal right now it needs to be an unprotected first otherwise we're just going to wait and see if the offers get better a lot of teams are looking for wings who can score there's a lot of teams that are not counting themselves out of the playoff hunt right now and are looking to improve their squads. And those teams are going to be bidding against each other. I think it's going to be a seller's market, and that's a challenge for the Lakers as well. Again, I wouldn't be comfortable if I was the Lakers doing an unprotected first-round pick, but I can also understand why the Pistons would be asking for that and why they'd feel comfortable just waiting and trying to create a bidding war for Bogdanovich and see if they can reap the benefits sometime between now and the trade deadline. Again, Lakers, you'd rather get something done immediately and then improve your team. And so you can start to make a push up the standings, particularly since you're not even sitting in a play-in spot right now. But for the Pistons, there's not a whole lot of incentive to do something immediately, aside from simply mitigating the risk factor with Bogdanovich. If he gets hurt, then maybe you get nothing by the trade deadline. All right, let's move on, though, to the other rumor that's out there, and that is the Cam Reddish-Evan Fournier situation. So the Lakers are also rumored to have had discussions with the Knicks about Cam Reddish and Evan Fournier. The rumor that was out there was that the Knicks wanted to take Cam Reddish and attach him to Evan Fournier and use him as the lure, as the, the incentive to get a team to take Evan Fournier's contract off their books. He's under contract, not just this season, but over $18 million for next season as well. The season after that, it's a team option. Wouldn't expect anybody to pick that up. But in any event, he's got two more years guaranteed, including this one. And most teams would not want to pay him. He's only shooting 33% from three on the season, has shot better over the course of his career, but he's fallen out of the rotation for the Knicks. Now, I'm not saying he's a terrible player, he's just probably not worth his contract. And the fact that he's not getting minutes for the Knicks, well, that doesn't speak very highly of him, right? And then you've got Cam Reddish, who has also fallen out of the rotation. So when I look at this trade, I can't help but think, well, if you're taking on a year of Evan Fournier, under contract and you're eating into your cap space for next summer. Like if you do this deal and you have to pay Cam Reddish because he's on an expiring deal, $6 million this year that expires. So you got to pay him. And then you have to pay Evan Fournier in another year. There goes your cap space. Goodbye cap space to go spend this summer. And so your opportunity cost matters as well. And that's also got to be a factor in the Bogdanovich trade too. If you trade for him again, goodbye cap space for this summer to go add pieces, um, something again the lakers will have to weigh but when you add all of that up for the cam reddish situation i know cam reddish is the guy who got away the what the guy the lakers almost traded for last year at the trade deadline but he hasn't been playing that well he's not shooting that well i know the lakers are desperate for wing help and if you can take a flyer on him sure i'd take a flyer on him you can argue look if they would do if the knicks would do a couple of minimum contracts and and a second or something sure Uh, Why not? I would do that. Kendrick Nunn in a second, unless I've got something bigger lined up when I'm stacking up Beverly and Nunn's deals. Yeah, I I don't have a problem with taking a flyer on a guy like Cam Reddish, but if he is your main lure and you're going to go get him and you're going to agree to sacrifice all that cap space for this summer by getting him and you've got to take on Evan Fournier.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all You need Indeed.
1: Man, I mean, to me, that feels like the Knicks should be the team giving the Lakers something, not the other way around, not like the Lakers should attach even a second or anything. And that's my concern with this negotiation. I mean, I thought the exact same thing with the Russell Westbrook trade. I thought, why why are the Lakers the team that's adding a first into this? Look at the salary they're taking on. Shouldn't the Lakers be getting a first here or maybe even moving up? Right? I thought, all right, maybe that's what's going to happen. They're going to give up 21, the 21st pick in the draft, but they're going to move up to, I think it was 16 in the draft. Maybe that's what's going to happen here for the Lakers. No, it wound up being the Lakers just gave up a first-round pick from a value perspective for no real reason. And so that's my concern when I see this, is that we're going to wind up seeing a trade go through that's like Cam Reddish and Evan Fournier for Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Dunn, who are both expirings, plus the Lakers throw in a second or something like that. Um, that's just bad value. That's a bad deal for the Lakers from a value perspective. I like Cam Reddish. I like taking a flyer on him. Again, if you said it's just Kendrick Nunn, so you're just doing expiring for expiring, and Wings come at more of a premium, so you got to throw in a second. Okay, I understand that. But if you're taking back that Fournier contract, I'd be expecting some type of compensation for doing that if I'm the Lakers. And even then, I don't know if I'd want to give up that future cap space. So something to keep an eye on. I know Lakers fans are very high on Cam Reddish. If you can get him without having to take on Evan Fournier, I'm interested. I don't hate Evan Fournier as a player. I think he's just fine. It's more the opportunity cost you know, that you're going to be giving up. If Fournier was expiring, I'd be much more open to doing something like this, but he's not. He's under contract next year. You're eating into your cap space that you can play with over the summer, whether you want to use it to re-sign Lonnie Walker, whether you want to use it for Austin Reeves, you want to use it to go, uh, go after some other players on the market. Uh, and you can keep Lonnie, you can keep Reeves. There's paths to doing that anyway, but I don't know if I'm willing to sacrifice that cap space just to get Cam Reddish, knowing that I've got to take Evan Fournier back as well. So keep an eye on those negotiations. If you can separate those two, if you can tell the Knicks, look, we're not going to take back Fournier, but we'll take a flyer for cheap on Cam Reddish. Sure, why not? Go ahead and get that done. All right, let's get into the fan questions and comments. Most of these coming from the post game after the Lakers win over the Detroit Pistons. By the way, you know, if you had told me heading into that road trip that the Lakers were going to go 500 on the road trip and Anthony Davis was essentially going to miss two games. I'd be pretty happy with that, right? He only played eight minutes against the Cavs, Didn't play the next night against the 76ers due to illness. Um, you lost Wayne Gabriel to an injury as well. If you told me all of that information going in, I would have said, I will take that. That's not bad at all. Yet we came out of this road trip kind of feeling a little bit down. Like, the Lakers had to exert themselves a little bit to beat a bad Pistons team. So I think even though that was a win, it didn't feel like a great win for the Lakers. You know, it didn't feel like that team should be hanging around the way that they were. So I know that didn't feel necessarily as good as it should. It's not like they went in and it just blew the doors off the Pistons and they were leading by 30 the entire game. We didn't see that. But on top of that, there's that sense of, man, it, we should be 4-2. and two. That game against the 76ers should have been a win. Um... It was the second night against the Raptors that AD miss I think I misspoke just a minute ago. But that game against the 76ers um, really should have been a win. The Lakers had that miraculous comeback. One Anthony Davis free throw away from winning that game. And then they just completely collapsed in overtime. So that, I think, was kind of the dark cloud hanging over Lakers fans. And it left this sort of negative impression of the road trip. But again, if you go back to the beginning of the trip, I think 500 to go 500 in games in and have AD essentially not play two games, you'd be pretty ecstatic with that. Given where the Lakers have been, that's going to be the key. Can you continue playing 500 basketball from here on out? And that means winning the games over over teams like Washington, which is going to be coming up. They've got some tough games. They've got the Celtics. You've got the the Nuggets. You know, you're going to have to win a few tough games here and there, but you also have to win the winnable games that are on your schedule. Like you're going to see the Wizards coming up. Got to win that game. That's going to be really important. Again, just stay 500 for a little bit until you can pull off some type of a trade and hopefully add some firepower and help this team out. Bring in some of the shooting, some of the wing size. Maybe we won't have to see three and sometimes four guard lineups anymore. That would certainly be nice. But that being said, all right, let's get into our fan questions and comments here. Starting off, Kanata said, Ham is ham. Coaching style is terrible and he helped put this team together. Plus, how can you give up Johnson for Bev, for him to play on the wings, dummies. He's talking about Stanley Johnson. Uh, There's been some complaints about Darvin Ham kind of, look, coaches tend to get the brunt of the criticism, right? I talked about it earlier, how there's certain things that stand out in a basketball game. A lot of those things are stuff that happens on the offensive end of the floor. Well, the other things that stand out are who's on the floor and who's not. And anytime we see a player that we think is underperforming, in this case, Patrick Beverly, First thing, we we don't blame Patrick Beverly. Why did you step on the floor? No, the players don't make that choice. It's the coach. So Darvin Ham has been taking a lot of flack because we're seeing some lineups that we don't like. And so immediately that goes to the coach. I think part of it is the roster construction where you just don't have enough wing players. And so he's forced to put out lineups where you've got three guards on the floor, sometimes even four guards on the floor. I think there are ways around it. And I think they're a little bit too comfortable having that many guards out there. I also think it just speaks to how much this roster is screaming for a trade and how much they need wing help. The question is, what are you willing to give up in order to get it as far as giving up Stanley Johnson? Look, Stanley is, I mean, just got signed in the G league. Um, It's not like an NBA team race to go pick him up, but I did like what Stanley brought last season. And this team does need wing players and wing defense. And he certainly would have helped with that. And, you know, I, I wasn't thrilled to see him as the throw in in the deal with, um, with the Utah jazz. Now, that being said, the alternative would have been Wenyan Gabriel. My guess would have been that Wenyan would have would have been the throw-in. And in hindsight, it looks like the Lakers were right. Wenyan's been really good for the Lakers this year. You know, relative to expectations, Wenyan's been very solid. I've been really impressed with him. So in hindsight, I think the Lakers, if you had to pick one of the two, Wenyan or Stanley Johnson, which one are you going to throw in? I think Wenyan has hit a different level than what we saw from Stanley last season. So the Lakers probably made the right call there. Um, Stanley, who knows? Maybe he'll get picked up somewhere. Uh, and waved and then he can become a Laker again in the future. But I understand when the team is is needing wings so badly, you move Stanley Johnson in that trade, and now you've got Patrick Beverly defending guys who are six eight. That's the, that's a tough tough task. Kadeem says, "You two in the post game usually means we did something nice." So Jeff Spiegel was on the post game with me uh, when we I was uh, getting these questions, and uh, Jeff. The Lakers tend to win when Jeff is on. I don't, I don't know. He's got the magic touch or something, uh, but do you two feel Bogdanovich fits more naturally over, over Kuzma with his efficiency offensively? Kuzma has the edge defensively and familiarity. I don't know how much the familiarity Matt. I mean, it matters for LeBron and AD, but other than that, this is, this is a totally different team, different coaching staff, all of that. Um, but I do think that that Kadeem broke it down pretty well here. Bogdanovich fits great on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, defensively, Kuzma has the edge there. Certainly he's more switchable. Uh, I'd give him the edge on on the glass. I think overall, I would give the edge to Kyle Kuzma, especially when you factor in age, that's going to matter as well. Um, But Bogdanovich definitely has the edge on the offensive end of the floor. What he brings offensively would be a near perfect fit for the Lakers. With Kuzma, it becomes a question of, can he start? Can you start Kyle Kuzma, LeBron James, Anthony Davis together? Um, which would mean LeBron is the three. We've seen him more at the four. You look at his foot speed, what it's been, what he's done uh, defensively lately. Maybe he's better off at the four right now. Um, Can Kuzma be a three? Like, that's a pretty big lineup. It's a little bit more of an awkward fit there. Uh, Not saying that Bogdanovich is a great defender anyway, though. But yeah, I think in general, Kuzma is going to be the better fit defensively. Bogdanovich is better on the offensive end. The question is, will you commit to Anthony Davis in center and playing Kuzma all of those minutes alongside LeBron and AD? That's something that will be really important if you're going to make a move for Kuzma. But I'll tell you what, I think a lot of teams are going to be interested in Kyle Kuzma, just like Bogdanovich. But Kuzma being younger is going to drive the value up that much more. He's not going to be an easy get on the trade market for the Lakers or I think any other team. Uh, Kadada again said Reeves can't start. A lot of people have been saying Reeves should start in place of Beverly. Reeves defensive numbers have been good as well. Reeves can't start because his shooting is needed in the second unit. Can't have Bev and Russ coming off the bench together. Then you don't have enough scoring. That's a good point. A lot of people have been saying they don't like the starting lineup with Beverly in it. And again, I think it comes back to Beverly's poor performance on the offensive end of the floor. And the fact that he's not providing the floor spacing that you want to see alongside LeBron and AD. And that's fair, fair criticism. But in order to bump Reeves to the starting lineup, which I think based on merit, he absolutely deserves. But in order to do it, Do you cannibalize your second unit to the point where your overall effectiveness as a team goes down? I mean, to steal a phrase from Dennis Schroeder at the end of the day, as long as the team is getting the best out of you, that's really what the most important thing is. What's the team success, right? And as long as Reeves is getting the bulk of the minutes, I think that's the more important thing. Ultimately, yes, I would like to see some sort of a change that doesn't result in. Uh, that doesn't equate to, you know, you've got Dennis Schroeder at 6'1 and Patrick Beverly at 6'1 starting together. The Lakers are small as a team, but that's, that's just a small starting unit. And then Lonnie Walker at 6'4 is your three. You're just tiny. Um, that's that's difficult. So, so but in order to do that, I think you're probably going to need a trade. Reeves could go into the starting lineup in a pinch. But again, the big question is who's getting more minutes. Right now it's Reeves. And so that's what you want to see continue happening there. Super dope hip hop. Oh, I was asking the question: Do the Lakers' current players really hate the Celtics the way Lakers fans do? Um, you know, the NBA has become much more, you know, nomadic as we see players jump from team to team to team. Uh, player movement has become a much bigger thing in this era of, of NBA basketball, and so it's harder to feel that kind of a rivalry from the players. It's like you know, Magic versus Bird. Well, Magic was always a Laker and Bird was always a Celtic. It's not like Magic was you know a Cavalier and then a Miami Heat, and then back to the Cavs, and then became a Laker, and then suddenly this rivalry kicked in with him or something like that. No, Magic was the Laker from the get-go, and that, that makes the rivalries that much more special because that's, that's your guy, right? And that guy has felt that rivalry for a decade and, and all of that. Um, but he's making the point that LeBron hates the Celtics, but it's from seven playoff matchups. So it's not coming from a Lakers perspective, but LeBron has no love lost for the Celtics either. I think that's a good point. Uh, he said, also, we all laugh at a Lennox but he's better than given credit for 13-5-3-1-1 on 55-45-83 this year. Yeah, I don't think look, Kelly Olenek is not a bad player by any means. I just think Bogdanovich is a better player. And if you're swapping them one for one, I would rather have Boyan Bogdanovich uh, between the two. Especially if if I was the team giving up Kelly Olenek, I would expect to include a second or something, some type of draft compensation. And Danny Ainge, for whatever reason, getting all the draft compensation, didn't get any for Bogdanovich just wound up being a straight up Bogdanovich for Olenik and Sabin Lee and Saban Lee got waved so you just swapped out Olenik for Bogdanovich and, and that's what the, the Jazz did so yeah I think people make a little bit too much about Kelly Olenik as though the Pistons gave up nothing in order to get Bogdanovich like Olenik has he's got good qualities as a player he's just not on Bogdanovich's level so it just made it more curious uh, Maddie James Celtics will be a very tough game. Our size compared to theirs is shocking. Look for a lot of screen and switches in favor for Tatum. Yeah, the Celtics will probably switch hunt the Lakers. They'll do everything they can to get Dennis Schroeder matched up with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, where they're giving up a lot of size. That's going to be a problem. However, Al Horford's going to be out. Uh, Robert Williams. We, I don't think he'll be back uh, for the game uh, tonight. That means Blake Griffin is probably going to start in the middle for the Celtics. A.D., could have a big performance. And if the Lakers are going to keep this close, AD is going to have to be MVP level uh, in this one. He's going to have to really dominate that matchup with, with Blake Griffin. And you know the Celtics are going to do everything they can to stop AD from getting the ball because he should go to work on Blake Griffin all night. But again, you've got a lot of advantages for the Celtics team. It's not going to be an easy matchup, but we'll see. You never know with the Lakers. Javon said, how amazing would it be for Boyan and Reddish to join this squad? Yeah, I think they'd both be good additions. I think they both play at a position of need in terms of being on the wing. It would provide balance to the roster um, in terms of just adding a couple of wing players, taking away a few guards, perhaps. But the question becomes, what do you give up in order to get to that? Is it Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn? Uh, if it can't be just those two things because you're taking on too much salary for that. So then you're talking about other veteran minimum contracts going in, what kind of draft capital has to go out, but in general, yeah, if you could swap out a couple of guards and bring in a couple of wings, that should provide more balance to this Lakers roster. Urban Progressive said, "Stone Cold Reeves Austin, we must re-sign him." Yeah. So the Lakers do have some protections in place to re-sign Austin Reeves, one of the the big one being the Arenas provision which allows you to or limits what other teams can offer. Uh, austin reeves basically limits it to a mid-level exception deal on the first two years it can balloon after that but that allows the lakers to in theory be able to keep him no matter what because they'll have their mid-level exception even if they're above the cap team so they should be able to hang on to austin reeves they'll also have early bird rights on him um so that could be a, a factor as well being able to pay him a little bit more that way but yes the, the Lakers absolutely should re-sign Austin Reeves. He's been big for them. Hit that big three against the Pistons. I put over on my Instagram as well as the Lakers Nation Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA and at Lakers Nation Official a breakdown of that play that led to the Reeves three and LeBron's decision-making in that. So go check that out over on our Instagram channels. Once again, at Trevor Lane NBA and at Lakers Nation Official. That about does it for today, though. Thank you guys for joining me. Give me your thoughts on the trade situation. What should the Lakers do? Fire it off in the comments down below on the YouTube channel. If you listen to the podcast version of this, make sure you give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcast. Love reading those reviews that have been coming in. Till next time, everybody. See ya. Stay safe. And Boston sucks.